0: Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Lindsay. And this is a review of Space Jam, starring Michael Jordan, Billy West, D. Baker Bradley, Kath Susie, Wayne Knight, Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson, Danny DeVito, and Bill Murray. Directed by Joe Pitka, released in 1996. A major, major hit for Warner Brothers. Lizzie, you couldn't escape this movie in 1996 when it came out. And this whole thing is in the wake of Michael Jordan unretiring from basketball and was a way to kind of fake explain what he was doing between nineteen ninety three and ninety five when he wasn't playing baseball. Uh so you brought this one up because it's March 15th. You were releasing this. It's March Madness. We're actually going to get that this spring. And uh you know I pitched you in like, yeah, this do a movie for March and you were like, yes, yeah, Space Jam. And I was like, okay, so I gotta know. What's what's the story with Space Jam?
1: <laughs> well, I it was top of mind because I had randomly seen it on TV maybe a few weeks ago, and I didn't get to watch all of it. But I just remember thinking how iconic this movie was and how huge it was to me. I think I was in middle – I know I was in middle school when this came out. And I was obsessed with not just the movie, but the soundtrack. I think I listened to this soundtrack no less than twice a day for like an entire year. So it was – it was just a huge movie. It was all the rage. Everyone was, was obsessed. And as I think you had mentioned, Jay, the popularity of Michael Jordan cannot be understated. And aside from that, just all of the other huge names in this movie, crazy. It's crazy how they got – how this movie even came to be. I don't know whose idea it was from the beginning, but boy, am I glad <laughs> that they made it happen. <laughs>
0: You talk about that soundtrack, and I own a copy of that because I worked on the campus paper, and we would get like you know advanced stuff from time to time, and we got one of those. Of course, it had a big gold stamp on it, like for review purposes only. And I was like, "That's coming home with me," because uh, <laughs> I was into all of that stuff. But uh, Yes, even R. Kelly's. Uh, I believe I can fly, because he wasn't, you know, believing in that back in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, uh, Michael Jordan, though, when he retired from basketball the first time. It was like this weeping across the nation of like, no. Now, me being a Knicks fan, I was like, finally we have a shot. And then friggin' Reggie Miller <laughs> had to get in the way and, or Clyde Drexler and the Houston Rockets. But you know, it, I, I was big into, to, you know, hating the Bulls, but I didn't hate Jordan because you can't hate the greatest. I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable. And when he retired, it was such a big deal. And the cool thing for me growing up in Alabama, when he decided to play baseball, he went to the Chicago White Sox. Their double A affiliate is in Birmingham, Alabama, about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And long story short, in my senior year for one of my public relations cases, uh, you know, papers, I wrote about the whole Jordan saga in Birmingham and how big of a deal it was. So this was like all like part of my brain, you know. So when this movie came out, I was totally in for it because you know some people grew up Disney kids and we certainly watched Disney movies but I would definitely categorize my household as a Looney Tunes household in terms of what we watched like my brother and I would get up and watch the Warner Brothers the Looney Tunes cartoons all the time and we didn't go to Disney World and stuff like that if we went anywhere big it was Atlanta the Six Flags which had all the Looney Tunes stuff in it, it still does and so I'm a huge Bugs Bunny fan. Sylvester the Cat's my favorite Looney Tunes character. But I mean, who doesn't love Daffy? And you know, all of them, right? So I, I could watch that all day. I- I'm 44. I could still watch all of that. Yeah. And this all came about because Michael did a couple of commercials with Bugs Bunny. Just as kind of a, a joke, as a Nike thing. Right. I forgot. And the guy about that directed that. this directed those. And, and they were like, you know, we could do this. And really this movie owes itself because this little movie called Who Framed Roger Rabbit happened. And <laughs> people have tried to recreate that forever. And folks, I will tell you now, go back in the archives of film strip episode 10. You got to go way back. Um, Anna and I reviewed that one way back when you can hear what we thought about it then. But yeah, so this movie to me was like, I'm going to get Michael Jordan playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. It's going to be kind of Roger Rabbit. I'm in. You know, it's I, I was down for all of this. So I, I remember this one distinctly when it came out, but truthfully, haven't seen it in probably 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time since I, since I watched it before you brought it up for this review.
1: Yeah, I love what you said, too, about you're either a disney family or a looney tunes family and maybe that's why i like this so much too because we were 100 percent a looney tunes family we got because yeah. that's before disney channel was standard on cable so every it was like yes. one week a year you got free disney channel but my parents were gonna shell out the money just to get disney channel for us nice. so we always watched like looney tunes on tnt because that was free and so that's that's what was on Maybe that's why I like it so Absolutely, much. Absolutely, it's yeah. great.
0: This is why we're friends. Lately, this is why you, we're, you, we're both Looney like
1: Tunes that families. That's why. Yes, yep, that's, I get that's it. That's
0: what it is. Yes. Makes sense. But no, but it was. It was all of this, and it. It is funny now to kind of look back with, you know, my cynical old age and go like, you know, there's all the rumors of why Jordan retired. He had to step away because of gambling and all this <laughs> stuff. And I, you know, I don't really think I, I really think it was a lot of his dad died. He was exhausted. He was just done. The uh, the last dance thing that they did on, on ESPN last year, which I think is on Netflix now about him coming back and doing one more run with the Bulls and all that stuff. It's a really good doc. And probably the best meme out of it is the Jordan bit about like, and I took that personally and that could kind of like be on his headstone like jordan has sort of always taken everything so personally yeah and it's never worked out well for the people on the other side in fact that's even part of the plot of this movie is he takes it personally
1: i'm glad i know we haven't even gotten to the plot yet but i'm glad you mentioned his dad because he played such a pivotal role like from the very beginning of the movie you see how important his dad is to him and was to him and Just in what, like the first five, 10 minutes of the movie, everything that happens is, is all because of his dad and his dad just seemed like a really great guy. And so I think the movie did a good job of kind of putting that forward.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's probably a lot of it to get Jordan involved yeah. was he very much wanted to pay tribute to his dad and, and that, good on him for doing that and, and for having that in his life. It's pretty amazing to watch. And what's neat about this and why it's so topical now is if you hang around in July and you got HBO Max, uh, you can watch LeBron <laughs> James do, uh, the next version of Space Jam, uh, with yep. Don Cheadle and, and some other people. I don't think his real son's in it, but he's, he's playing basketball with his son. Um, will probably be good and there hasn't been a basketball star as big as Jordan until LeBron. I mean, Kobe Bryant was a big deal, but there were a lot of big deals when he, you know, he was big. I think LeBron has kind of transcended to that moment now too where he just sort of owns the league the way Jordan did.
1: And he's compared to Jordan so much and there's there are those constant battles on uh, you know, any Reddit type site you want to go to, ESPN too, like all of it, comparing the two of them and trying to figure out who's the best and why and comparing the numbers. Most people agree that Jordan is, you know, one step above, but LeBron still has some
0: gameplay in him. So...
1: But it's cool that he's going to be in the next Space Jam.
0: Well, Lindsay, let's get into this. Go through a plot summary here real quick on Space Jam, and then we'll talk about the movie. So Michael Jordan is enjoying retirement on a golf course when out of nowhere, he's taken captive to the Looney Tunes world by some of our favorite characters. Bugs, Daffy, Sylvester, the whole gang. uh, Yosemite Sam. The Looney Tunes are kind of in a bind. Uh, they challenged a group of aliens called the Nerdlucks to a game of basketball after the group was sent to abduct them to be a part of their evil boss, Mr. Swackhammer's amusement park and have to tell bad jokes at a, at a club the rest of their lives. So the Nerdlucks though have a total advantage because the Looney Tunes thought they were just going to run over this bunch, but they've abducted the abilities of some of the NBA's top stars, all those NBA players besides Jordan I mentioned in the opening there. And so they're playing, uh, but they're a lot bigger, and now they're known as the Monstars. So our animated friends pin all their hopes on Michael Jordan. As Bug puts it, we need your help. And he agrees to help them against the Monstars challenge after they kind of wound his pride a little bit. So... Jordan and the gang struggle mightily in the game, but they rally in the third period using all the good old wily Coyote Acme products and the classic Looney Tunes gags. And J- Jordan negotiates with Swackhammer, not only to let the tunes alone and out of their, you know, bed or whatever with him if they win, but to return the stolen talents of his NBA friends in exchange for if he loses, he will come and be the star attraction Swackhammer is looking for on, uh, you know, Moron Mountain. So, only seconds left in the game, and their ranks decimated by the physical play of the Monstars. Jordan, Lola the Bunny, who's the new character here, Daffy, and Bugs, and a surprise entrance of Bill Murray, find a way to win when Jordan remembers in Looney Tunes' world he can use exaggerated movements to hit the final bucket and win the game. He basically stretches himself from half court and dunks the basketball in. The defeated Monstars turn on Swack and shoot him off in a rocket. And the Looney Tunes uh, decide, you know, hey, we can make friends with these guys, uh, no reason for y'all to have to go back to work for him. So they take them in and Jordan and his uh you know human friends return the basketball talents to his buddies, which prompts an impromptu uh, three-on-three match. And we learn in closing that in 1995, Jordan returned to the Chicago Bulls to resume his basketball career. And as we know, they went on to win three straight championships, and the rest is history. So that's kind of the straight line. This is a short movie. I appreciate that about this movie, is that it is built very much like a cartoon. It doesn't have to have a lot going on. And they get us right into it. It's very much the opening of Michael Jordan as a kid, the relationship with his father. And we get like a little mini documentary on how great Michael Jordan was.
1: You really do. I forgot how short the movie was until I was watching it. And I realized I remember all of this. The plot seems to be moving much faster than I remember. But it. It was just a really fast movie. So I guess I just thought it was longer. My attention span was probably shorter back then. So it felt longer. But yeah, I can't. I know you had mentioned, Jay, another like animation mixed with real life movies and that being Roger Rabbit. I was racking my brain trying to think of another similar to this. And you'd mentioned a new one is coming out this year with lebron and i just before this airing saw a commercial for a new movie with tom and jerry mixed media of animation and 3d and or real life but i uh, up to this point i never really thought about it so i don't know do you have any other any other movies that come to mind or is it just roger rabbit
0: Roger Rabbit's kind of my go-to. I do remember the Paula Abdul song, Opposites oh, Attract, yep. with that cat, yep. cool cat or whatever, who I think was like a DJ or rapper or something, but in the in the uh, video, he's just a cat. Yep. But it's very much her and the cat dancing uh, in a typical ball. I have dual way. Uh, and that is a good song, by the way, it is a bit of a bop as the kids would say. So go, go give that a listen. If you haven't heard of it it's track in a while, but I no, I like Roger Rabbit is kind of my go-to. I think we've all just kind of repeated that. This often happens in commercial form or in short form. Um, they do it in last action hero, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. There's a cat who's yep. like one of the cops or something in Arnold's land, but obviously not in the real world. Uh, but Bed knobs and no, sticks. There you go, right? So, but I did, I didn't know that Tom and Jerry flick was happening. Um, as well, I think Chloe Grace Moretz is yep. going to be in that. So, yep. be curious to see how that goes.
1: It looks like it might be funny. I like Chloe Grace Moretz, yeah. so.
0: She is good. She's got a, an appeal. Like there's, yeah. there's certain things she can do that I think are good. She's done a lot of intense things. Like she's really good in that Carrie remake to take a sidebar for a second. Yeah. Uh, and, and she was good in the kick ass movies too. But, um, I don't know. This, that'll be interesting to see. That one's been done for a while and it's just sort of been COVID shelved. And so they're finally going to get it out to people to see. But when this movie came out and this was happening, this seemed to be the only kind of thing you could do in a commercial. And the fact that they took this and went full long form with it, it was a big deal. I mean, they spent $80 million making this movie. And in 1996, that was a lot of money. That's what you spent making a Batman movie or, you know, if you were going to do a Star Wars movie then, that's what you would have spent on it. Like this, you didn't spend that kind of money on a kids movie in particular. But what they banked on is the fact that yes, kids were going to go to this. But a lot of adults were also going to be into it because Jordan, again, was such a transcendental figure that how could you not, you know, go and see this? And so, and, and they released it, you know, in November. So, I mean, it's right around Thanksgiving time. So it was a perfect holiday film. And I mean, it was a, it was a smash. Made almost $240 million at the box office. So it was a, it was a big deal to see this happen. I also will give this movie credit for not leaning into what their initial, Idea was because Danny DeVito plays Swat Camera, the evil boss of Moron Mountain. You know, they were going to have a ton of these cameo voices throughout this thing. And because of budget and timing and all that, they just decided to not just don't do it. You know, and th- I think that's a smart move because DeVito is perfect as this, just the, the evil like club owner, park owner, whatever he's supposed to be.
1: An instantly recognizable voice too. Like you hear it and you know exactly who it is. And they did – I think a lot of times in animation too, they animate to look like the person who's voicing that character sometimes. So you hear his voice and the animation just matches up with exactly what, what you're picturing. And I think – um he he played the penguin right in Batman, which also yes, came did. out kind of close to around this time. So I think he's got kind of yeah. that evil character thing going for him, and and that worked out. But yeah, it you're right, Jay. Just leaving it with Danny DeVito for whatever their reasons were ended up working out really well.
0: No, it did, and and he's so good as this SWAT camera character. Like it's so much fun to to watch him. Be involved in this and do this kind of stuff. What I also find funny about this is Ivan Reitman is one of the producers, who's you know long Hollywood career, and he's friends with Robert Zemeckis, who made, who framed Robert your Rabbit. And when he decided to do this, he called Zemeckis up and said, "Hey, any advice you can give me?" And Zemeckis said, "Don't do it. That movie nearly killed me." And after it was over, Reitman <laughs> said, "Yep, it nearly <laughs> killed us doing this too. Like it, it was a lot." What's neat is the way they shot this, which at the time was incredibly revolutionary is they put Jordan on a full green screen and they had all the actors that he was going to go against. All the Looney Tunes characters are somebody in a full green suit and they just had somebody off stage do the line so that he had something to react off of and then they dubbed him later. And But I thought it was neat that they gave him people to play off of. And that was actually a really smart thing to do because normally they would just say, go stand over there and Bugs will be to the left and Daffy's to the right and just work with it. But he actually had like physical bodies to work off of, which I think is smart and I think makes the movie feel more real than it normally would
1: well it helped him too because you can tell that michael jordan is not an actor he was in a couple of commercials and that was fine and he was great in this movie but he has a few lines where the way they come out you can tell he's not an actor that's just a line that was on a script but i think having the characters or the actors, the stand-ins in green suits really helped, I think. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been as good if he didn't have something to play off of. Um, I mean, yeah. because he's a great basketball player. That's what he's good at. That's his life's work. You know, he can't be good at everything. He was still good in this right,
0: movie. Yeah, I mean, he's good in this, but you're right. You can tell he's not... A natural actor or a performer. So like it's
1: like Jerry Seinfeld. He's not a natural actor. So when he created Seinfeld, they surrounded him with other really good actors. And that is basically what they did with Jordan, which actually is a good segue. How did Bill Murray end up in this movie?
0: He's friends with Jordan and he's friends with a Is lot of these basketball okay. players with Larry Bird and all these I guys have, and wait. Yeah, look. He seems they, so they out of place. To, they wanted to bring comedians. Okay. In. He's also friends with Reitman okay. too. Let's not lose that. He's friends with Ivan Reitman and as a favor, you know, cause Ghostbusters was a big deal along with a lot of other things True. that Reitman produced for him. They, they brought him in and he, he was, a, he was a big basketball fan. Burr, Murray's kind of a famous basketball fan. And so to have him come in and be part of the golf course. I mean, I think it's great when Michael gets abducted on the golf course and Wayne Knight is supposed to be playing like his, um, personal assistant or whatever it is, getting him from the golf course to the next baseball game or whatever. Is, is like talking to the whole, like Michael, come back. We've got to make the game. And and um uh, Bill Murray's like, come on, Larry. You know, they're playing golf with Larry Bird, and he and Larry get in the golf cart. He's like, I'm going to give us a two on that last with Larry. I think that, I think neither one of us were emotionally prepared to play through that. And they're like, yeah, I can live with that. You know, and I I loved Bill Murray's just comic peppering in this movie. And I think that's what they brought him in for is we need to have somebody that can really carry the funny when the Looney Tunes aren't on the stage.
1: Just in that scene, there are a few, for me, iconic lines that I I can't, I still think about. Years and years and years later, I still think about them. And one of my favorite ones is when he's talking to Michael about playing basketball because all these famous basketball stars have started to like lose their lose their talent and he goes do you think i have a chance and michael's like no and he goes is it because i'm white and michael goes larry's white (laughs) and bill murray goes larry's not white he's clear (laughs) (laughs) i still think about that line like weekly it just makes me laugh and Then later on, after Michael gets sucked down the golf hole, um, it was right as he was getting that picture taken. And Bill Murray takes the camera and he goes, what kind of camera is this? And just throws it off to the side. (laughs) So he has some great
0: moments. Now, Bill Murray has, again, the right kind of comic timing to be able to keep this thing moving and keep it snappy and keep it fun. And then you, then you got Wayne Knight who ends up getting, you know, into the tune land as well. When Michael's meeting all the, the Looney tunes and kind of in the Hoosiers basketball court, I call it. And, He's the perfect kind of comic fool. And this is neat because Wayne Knight at this time is doing bit parts on Seinfeld. He's doing this. He's been in a lot of movies and stuff like that, but he's also the guy that everybody hates from Jurassic Park. Yes. Cause that's all hit. That movie is all his fault. I was just
1: thinking that. Yep.
0: <laughs> yes. So for him to want to do something more wholesome, I could, I could get it coming back. Now we got to talk about the Looney teams and how they get introduced here. Obviously we get our usual, you know, main ones we get, you know, Bugs and Daffy and Porky and Sylvester and Tweety Bird, but we get a new one too. We get Lola the bunny who they introduced in this movie and and they ran with her for, I think she's even going to be in the new Space Jam. So they wanted to build a new character and I wanted to ask, what would you think of Lola and kind of the way that they, they bring her in here?
1: I liked Lola. I always did. I liked her when uh, when she first came on to the basketball court. I think that was one of the first times because you see – it's an interesting dichotomy because you see earlier in the movie when I think it's Charles Barkley goes and he's walking around and he goes to a basketball court and it's a, a group of girls playing basketball and they ask him to play. And they just school him right out right, like, without even trying. And I think that that's kind of making the point that, like, oh, he's so bad he got beaten by girls. But then you see Lola Bunny come onto the scene and it's like, no, girls got game. So... <laughs>
0: What I what I love is how you know Bugs does his usual nineteen forties you know hey doll how you doing kind of thing and he's trying yeah. to charm her like he always does and she's like hmm let's see and so of course she you know runs circles around him like, don't ever call me doll again you know and I I love that though because that's a kind of gag that would happen on Looney Tunes all yeah. the time like they had done that forever and I I thought that was really funny we should say too that's all being juxtaposed with the main basketball stars who've been ripped off by the nerd luck monsters now. And what's funny about that to me is Muggsy Bogues was a magician with a basketball. He's the littlest guy out there. I mean, he can, you know, he could dunk and everybody thought he was so cool. And then you've got Larry Johnson, who was a massive, you know, up and coming star. He was a star in college at UNLV. And there was a huge star in the Charlotte Hornets uh, basketball franchise you got Barkley, who's his own personality. You got Patrick Ewing, who is one of the toughest guys to ever play in the middle and, and had a huge personality too. It was actually a really good actor. Kind of oddly enough, I thought he was much better than what you would have thought. Yeah. And then you got Sean Bradley, who's like the, the whitest, tallest, lankiest dude. And, and I laughed at myself because I remember going to see this with friends back in 96 and they were like, how could you tell Sean Bradley lost his talent? But I'm, You know, because he was not not the most adept guy, but he was an up and coming star. So at the time, they thought it was good. What I love is what we keep going the flashbacks back and forth to these guys. Like they go to a doctor, they go to a seance, they go to a church, they you know they go to therapy, trying to figure out what happened to themselves. And it's funny to watch them suck at, at basketball all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, and they just they're like, oh no, it's all in our heads, and they're just trying everything. Gosh. I actually had to look up how tall Muggsy Bogues was because I didn't realize that he was only 5'3". I had no idea. I said, huh, that's only an inch and a half taller than me. I could have played in the NBA. (laughs) I mean, if I had talent, which I don't.
0: (laughs) I think I remember he was in a movie where Billy Crystal plays uh, an NBA ref. And they have an aside where Crystal says, "You're the only one of these guys I can talk to," you know, because they're looking eye to eye at each other. Because Billy Crystal's about five four, and uh, and it's it's funny. But I I will oh, say, yeah,
1: he is short.
0: Yeah, even though Jordan is not the greatest thespian, he's not asked to do that either. He's asked to be a basketball star. Or, really, he's asked to be yep. a guy who was a basketball star and doesn't want to do it anymore, which is where he was in life. So, just be yourself. They let these guys do some acting and some fun. And oddly enough, they're all pretty good at it, even lanky, weird, tall Sean Bradley.
1: Who reminds me so much of Christoph Porging Geese. I like that's the <laughs> only thing I could think of when I was watching this. I was like, that guy looks familiar. Also, randomly, it it was weird for me to see Charles Barkley playing basketball because I'm so used to seeing him now as an analyst and it's, you know, he's he's playing basketball again. So I had to shift my brain for a minute there. But I do love all of the because you had mentioned Michael Jordan just has to play a guy who doesn't who plays basketball but doesn't want to. And all of the he's a baseball player jokes really, Mm -hmm. really hit well.
0: I'll give Jordan credit too for allowing himself to be poked fun at. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody gets a shot at him (laughs) for it at one time or another. And he's just like, okay, fine. You know, what else was I going to do? And, you know, again, He wasn't a great baseball player by any stretch. He also wasn't just horrible either. He was actually decent at it. I mean, for a guy to switch sports like that, who hadn't played since he was a kid to go hit 270 that's, it's not, that's not easy to do. You just can't do that unless you have some skill. He just wasn't as good as, you know, he was on the basketball court. Uh, But I, I did appreciate the humor of that, that they let, they let more of that go on. And that he kind of, you know, smirked it off and sort of seemed to have some fun with it. Um, we got to talk about though the inciting incident of this is he decides okay I'm going to you know I'm going to play with you guys I'll help you but he really only gets into it when the monstars kind of challenge his pride a little bit and that's the thing is you got to make Jordan take it personally and then all of a sudden it's on
1: Good for Jordan for being self-aware <laughs> and really really <laughs> knowing what was going to trigger him to make this movie <laughs> what it what it
0: was really yeah, and what's funny is is again now that meme is everywhere. And I took that personally and I'm like, That's been his whole life, y'all. If you think that's new, <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> like that's Michael Jordan, because you know, that's the story he got cut when he was in high school and they told him he wasn't fast enough to play at North Carolina and all this stuff. And it's just he's always kind of lived with this chip the size of Montana on his shoulder, and it's just sort of how he operates. I mean, some guys that's just how they motivate
1: yeah, and it's worked for him. I remember being in elementary school and teachers harping on us like, you know, Michael Jordan, he didn't get he didn't get on the basketball team the first time he tried out, but he worked really hard and grew two feet and then he made it. and you're like, oh, okay. yeah, if Michael Jordan could do it, we can do anything. But that was just hammered into us as kids. and that's how big he was. Our elementary school teachers. We're teaching us life lessons yeah. based on Michael Jordan.
0: I think the other thing that gets lost in there, too, that now, now you know because they've done so many docs on it and stuff, is how hard the guy worked. Yeah. It. And that was one of the things that impressed me when I talked to the Birmingham Barons people doing that paper, as they said, you know, the thing is the guy worked really hard at trying to be a baseball player. Like he really did put a lot into it and you could see the grind that made him the basketball player he was. And you talk with anybody that played with him and they said it was just it, watching the guy. You just never, you never realized how hard he worked every day to make everybody better and to make sure he could make everybody better. And that's, and you get to see a little bit of that here and it's sort of fun. And that's always been the Jordan story is not only you got to have talent, but you got to work really hard too.
1: Yeah. I, I can't help but think of that first scene in the movie where he's up past midnight. He wakes his parents up and his dad's like, what are you doing? And he goes, I can't sleep. And he's just down there shooting. Shooting some hoops.
0: I mean, it's the way the guy was. Yeah. I mean, it's just how, it, how he is. it's just how he still is That's today. That's how yeah. greatness
1: is made, um, folks.
0: Yep. You got to work real hard. And speaking of working hard, trying to figure out how to mix the wackadoo humor of the Looney Tunes against such a stoic person as Jordan was not an easy feat. <laughs> I, I really appreciated how. And, you know, there are four or five people wrote on this thing, and, and truthfully, probably 10 people wrote it, you know, when it was all said and done. Having to to figure out how can we make Jordan not seem so stiff and seem funny, but we don't get him to say jokes, is a real testament to the work that Joe Pitka and everybody putting this movie together did, because it comes off really seamless. And you realize it's it's not. It's all edited and stitched together.
1: So the thing that immediately comes to mind is there are two moments where Jordan just seems like so likable and personable. There's one that's just a shot of his face and he's sweaty and he's got this big grin on his face and that's toward the end of the movie. But the first one before that is his halftime speech. And he starts into the halftime speech and he goes, hey, guys, we got to do better, whatever his line is. And you hear Daffy Duck. Oh, yeah, let's hear the story. <laughs> and just like <laughs> you have this Daffy Duck, terrible at Daffy Duck, folks, sorry. But <laughs> you just hear Daffy Duck's commentary, like super sarcastic commentary. Under this really what would normally be a motivational halftime speech. And it is so funny. And then you have Bugs Bunny coming out with Mike's secret stuff, which just cherry on top there. But moments like that really, really helped work that angle.
0: I think they figured out that, you know, we're going to have the new character with, with Lola. And we'll give her her moments. And we'll have everybody else do like little stuff. But this is really the Bugs and Daffy show. And and anytime Looney Tunes wanted to do a movie, they almost always built it around those two characters. Because they were kind of always at each other's, you know, uh, they were in each other's face all the time for something, you know. And there's tons of jokes about it. You can go look them up. But what I love is when they they get sent on the mission to go get Michael's gear, you know, from his house, right? So they have to tunnel and do all that. And I love that they are, like, breaking their own character. And what you're supposed to realize is you're watching two actors, talk behind the scenes, like, do you ever get anything from all of those, you know, commercials we do? Nah, our agents are getting screwed on this. And I I love that. It's like, wow, Bugs and Daffy are like having a drink at the bar and going, did you get any points from that? You know, it's it's neat to watch them pull the curtain back on that. And that's for the adults. Like, the kids are just like, what are they talking about? But for every mom and dad that was there or people like me in, you know, college or whatever, it was like, oh, that's funny. That's funny to watch them get to do that.
1: That's great. I honestly, I did notice that, but it didn't even register in my brain um, until now. Really,
0: I think now, Lindsay, like so much of animation has become so adult, like South Park oh, yeah. and Rick and Morty, and and you know Adult Swim, and all of that stuff has has made that where it's not as novel. In 1996, that was like what, <laughs> like yeah. you just didn't see that kind of stuff. So that's what makes it. Stand out is these characters from childhood who are talking like people who have jobs. They're not just a cartoon rabbit and a cartoon duck anymore. You know, they they talk about like their lousy contract and why are we doing this? And and you have to ask yourself like, why are Bugs and Daffy doing that work? Don't they have people to do that at this point in their career? Or did you realize that no, they no, they don't because they're in danger of having to work a lousy club on Moron Mountain for the rest of their lives if they don't win this game?
1: Yeah, and didn't when Bill Murray shows up at the game at the very end and Daffy asks him how he got there and he said like. Like, he knew someone who knew someone, and Daffy goes, oh, yeah, that's how it goes.
0: Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Hollywood. Exactly. And That's what's funny about it, though, is <laughs> you can mix all of that stuff and make it go. Now, what do you make of the game? Because i got to say, that's some of the best work of the animation and of the direction of this, is how much they were able to infuse what pro basketball in the 90s and what pro basketball playing against Jordan in the 90s was like with a bunch of cartoons. I mean, that's some of the best work of the movie.
1: Yeah. No, that was fantastic it <laughs> it didn't again really it didn't feel like jordan playing with a bunch of cartoon characters it just felt like jordan playing basketball with a bunch of other basketball players yeah and i did apparently they built him a basketball court to play on set so that he could play during breaks and he would play with all of the other like retired basketball players. Um, just I guess because that's what he liked to do. But it really felt like a real basketball game, tune style, and they did a great job with that. I don't even I animation is so is such a foreign concept to me that I don't even know where where you would start in animating something like that. But it was It was a phenomenal piece of work.
0: And like we said earlier, the way they did it is they had him play against people on a green screen that then they could animate later. And so when he bounces off of somebody, they have to draw that that bigger person. And all the people what's funny is all the people in the green stuff are about six inches shorter. Because you don't find people, you know, six, six and above to do that. But they they, you know, he would bounce them off of him and go around them and then they would animate the big monster to go, you know, buy him or whatever. And the fact that it doesn't look so plated together is what's amazing and I mean, we're talking about a movie at this point that's 24 years old and it still looks good like it all works that's the testament to how well it was put together and the artistry of it and that's that's kind of a you know nerdy film thing but Honestly, you you can't geek out over that enough as far as I'm concerned. The way that that all works and Michael Chapman's cinematography and the way that they mad all that together. And again, they got a director who was used to doing this kind of stuff. He had done those, you know, crossover commercials and things. So it makes sense.
1: Yeah. The, I think it was with 10 seconds left is when Michael Jordan learned that he could also do the tune stuff. And that was the one that was the one hole in the writing when he looks at bugs and he goes, Ten seconds to go? Thanks for letting me know. And I was like, dude, you were literally balled up into a tiny little basketball and bounced by a monstar. Did you really not realize that you were capable of doing all of the other Looney Tune stuff too? Come on, man. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, come on. It would have been a little bit more, but but I do love that. And that's kind of a gag in, in back to the future three is you're not thinking fourth dimensionally, Marty. It's a bug going, you're not remembering. You're in a cartoon, Michael. <laughs> you get to, we've been telling you that yeah, since you got yeah. here. Just figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that's, that's the funny part is because the Looney teams though. And I think that maybe is why I always liked them. Cause I'm just sort of naturally a smart ass anyway, is that they kind of are all two <laughs> and, and they're like, well, yeah. you figure it out, smart guy. You're the basketball star, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, I love that. It. It's like th- thanks for the heads up, the tip. Um, but but it is a great thing, and it's the, it's the it's the jump man symbol. It's the Jordan symbol. The you know the free throw dunk line yep. thing. He just does it from half court and realizes my arm can be stretch Armstrong now, and I can just drop the ball in with a second Ooh. to go. So yep, yeah. Which smart move, Michael? Good time management. Don't give him the ball back, excellent, because you know, your team is depleted. Yeah, so plus you have Bill Murray begging for the ball which that would have been badly for everyone.
1: Bill Murray actually played pretty well. He had some he had some pretty sick moves on the court. I remember I don't remember he did this weird like fake pass thing and I was like, "Okay, okay, Bill Murray, he could play basketball. Maybe not against Michael Jordan, but he's got some moves." I wasn't expecting that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not what you, you expect to see. And of course, that's the big win. And what, what I like too is that, you know, again, this movie is, it's a kids movie. So there's got to be some life lessons to it too, like we've talked about. And the whole bit about Jordan, don't give up and work hard and all that stuff. But the other thing too is that the monsters only got into this thing and only stole the talent because they thought they were too small to do any different. And that's when they kind of realize, like, hey, you guys are getting screwed over by your boss. Like, you don't have to take that. And that's what the Looney Tunes tell them. And they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And they, you know, set him on one of the good Marvin Martian rockets and launch him back to wherever he's from. And then now they get to hang out and be friends with the Looney Tunes again, which I thought was cute and kind of fun.
1: Yeah. We don't like it on Moron Mountain. <laughs> I I, I love the little bit where they were like, Are you Looney enough? And then they do the whole like, or the Looney Tunes theme, and they're each dressed up as a Bugs or an Elmer Fudd or something like that. Yeah. And so, also in the stadium where they're playing, I love seeing all of the other Looney Tunes drawn in yes. there. Yes. The singing frog, I can never remember his name.
0: Michigan J Frog. He's my favorite
1: I think he's he's definitely one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite cartoons of all time. But it was just it was so nice to have all of these other little nugget characters sitting in the sitting in the audience watching.
0: Yeah, that frog was the, uh, the mascot of the WB for all those years yes. that they were running Buffy and all that stuff. He was the thing, that little frog. So yeah, That's no, right. that was cool though, because who would go watch that? Of course, the people of the Looney Tunes world would go and watch the game. You've got yeah. Granny from the Tweety Bird and Sylvester c- you know, cartoons over there and she's constantly knitting something. I'm like, this woman has knitted for decades. <laughs>
1: it's unbelievable. You have, I think knit. it's Ferdinand is his name, the bull who uh, Mm -hmm. goes, they paint, they paint the, I love, the kid in me, oh man, loved all the butt jokes in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) There were, there was, there was no shortage of butt jokes in this movie. And I just remember, I can, I can feel being a child and thinking that is the funniest thing on the planet. So they definitely catered to to both audiences, Jay, as you've already mentioned, but you got to love a butt oh, yeah. joke.
0: I mean, they're still running them today, yeah. you know, at this point or whatever. I mean, it's, it's great, but Michael goes back and he's got the magic basketball to return yes. the talent of all of his friends. And what's funny is that they're on the, you know, in that practice court and Charles is like, face it, guys, we suck. You know, and they're like, yeah, what are we going to do now? You know, and they, they don't know what to do. And Michael's got to coax him into touching the ball. And they finally get their thing back and they're like, you want to play a little basketball? And he's like, nah. And they're like, well, I guess because he's too busy playing baseball now. They have to get one more baseball <laughs> joke in there. And it's almost like that's what got him back into playing basketball like, again. Yeah, everybody kept joking with him about it. And next thing you know, he's off to write history again, which is, you know, what the guy did.
1: Yeah. I think,
0: and I mean, we we got to talk about because we mentioned it too. The music in this movie, the the soundtrack to this went six times platinum. That is insane for a movie soundtrack. Like Hamilton gets that, and like you know, Greece and stuff like this is just a movie. But you get "Fly Like an Eagle," the Steve Miller Band song, redone by Seal. So now it's like infinitely cooler. You know, you got Coolio on this thing. We've already mentioned the R. Kelly song, which you could not escape. I believe I could fly. If you would, Monica
1: anywhere. was on it, who was really <laughs> big in the nineties.
0: Yes. You got Salt and Pepper on mm-hmm. here. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got all for one. Who can forget them? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the precursor to the backstreet boys, you know, groups like that. The Spin Doctors did a song with Biz Marquis. Now, come on. That's a mashup we were all waiting on.
1: There is truly – I don't think there's a bad song on that entire soundtrack. You know, you get an album and there's there's always – you have your two or three favorites and then there are the other songs that you slowly learn to like. This was just hit after hit after hit after hit. It was – and there's a reason I – I listened to it so many times and there, I still have the CD and not yeah. that I can play it in anything that I own, but I still have it and <laughs> I guess I could find something, but um, it just, and, and now because I listen to those songs so much now, every time I hear any of them in any context, I immediately think of this movie. I mean, the soundtrack just, I don't, I don't know who pulled it together or who who the sound designer was, but man, they deserved every they, award they, they like it, it was so good.
0: I mean James Newton Howard did the score or whatever, but Warner Brothers and Atlantic Records pulled this thing all in the pile together. And you know, you had all the R. Kelly had a big big hand in it um and pulling it all together. And a lot of these people, they just you know wanted to work together and I think they all knew too. This is going to be huge. Yeah. Like Michael Jordan is in a movie with Bugs Bunny. It's, it's going to work. And I mean, for years, Lindsay, until like EDM really became like a thing, like you couldn't go to the gym and not hear the Quad City DJ speak. I mean, it was on every, you know, loop in the, in the gym forever. So yeah, and it still is to this day. And so yeah, no, that they had a lot of people working with them. To make this thing happen. And again, credit to them for realizing, hey, let's put some real music with this to go with the score, which is already fun, and see what happens. And what happened was the number two album you know, of the year and, and yeah. six million copies later. So it was just it was popular. Played at
1: every movie. middle school and high school dance across the country.
0: Yeah, I yeah. For you I will and I believe dancing. I can fly. <laughs> yep. it. Yeah, It's a couple's gate you know we're gonna bring it down so,
1: slow and, dancing and, leave room for jesus <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and then again i can't put over enough of that seal cover of fly like an eagle i think it's unreal because he's just got so good infinite cool yes he's just so cool and you put his cool voice on that tune and it's like yeah that that was a genius move <laughs> whoever came up with that yeah so no, it's hard to underestimate how big a deal this movie was. But does it hold up? Does it last the test of time? It's time to get final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. Lindsay, what are yours for Space Jam?
1: Oh, man. So I have to give this a large popcorn rating. I Michael Jordan was great. Anything with his stamp on it in the 90s cannot be underestimated or underrated and when I first started watching this I was like man there are so many huge names in this movie that's crazy and so many huge names on the soundtrack and then you remember everyone wanted to be a part of Michael Jordan and his return to basketball and not even just like in general everyone wanted to be a part of anything he was doing he was just this golden boy of the 90s and it, everything he did was so special. And this movie is no different. So large popcorn for me. I love it. I will definitely be watching it probably a lot more <laughs> in the next few months now that I have it. And uh, I might, you know, what, I might even break out that old CD and pop it into something that'll play it.
0: Put it, put it in a computer, drop it on your phone. My computers yes,
1: don't even have disk drives anymore. Laptops <laughs> don't have disk drives anymore. <laughs> I might have to buy yeah. – I might just have to buy it on iTunes.
0: It Maybe it may time to double dip and repurchase yep, on that. Yeah, might be. I'll, I'll agree with you on something that everybody wanted to be a part of Michael Jordan's whatever in the 1990s you just couldn't escape the guy and to this day i think he still has that kind of drawing power this movie is exactly the kind of showcase you would want for the biggest sports star in the world and you put him up against iconic cartoons like the looney tunes and and then you surround him with all of this good comedy and all this good music, it's a recipe for success. And the best thing about this movie, the smartest move of it, I'll go back again, is how darn simple it is and how short it is. Now, part of the shortness is probably because, the, you know, this is really hard to animate and make this work. <laughs> it takes days to get, like, three seconds of film done. But also it's because it's a good economy on um, the screenplay and the script and everything else. It, it all still works, and... All these years later this movie still works. It's still a ton of fun and it is totally worth watching. And if you're going to watch the new one and who's not going to if you've got HBO Max you're going to check out, you know, LeBron and and all of that. You gotta watch the first one. You gotta watch the first space jam. And I imagine there will be more than a few passing nods to the old movie in the new one. So if you if you watch it and then watch the new one, I think you'll enjoy it when that comes out later this summer. But been a lot of fun. I'm gonna join you in that large popcorn. I think it's that and I would give that soundtrack that as well. That that soundtrack is huge. So go throw that in your Spotify, throw it on your Apple Music, give that a listen and uh see what you think. Folks, it's been a, a lot of fun talking about this year because it is basketball season. I mean, so we needed a basketball movie. And I mean, you know, there's a ton of them out there. But, eh, Hoosiers is obvious. Blue Chips is a little dark and weird. And, you know, some of those other ones are a little too cheesy. I mean, if you're going to do it, Space Jam the way to go, I would say. This is definitely some of your March Madness watching, too
1: absolutely
0: so as you're filling out your office pool even if you're doing it in distance like we all are working now at least you can have a little Space Jam together everybody can have some fun with that throw that on your your Friday Zoom happy hour call with everybody and there will be a lot of people in the room that go oh yeah Space Jam I remember that folks thanks for listening to this latest episode of Filmstrip follow us on social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook that's where you can find links and posts about all of our upcoming shows you can find a post uh, to our letterbox page that has all of the movies we've reviewed we're almost at episode 300 Lindsay, 11 years in here as we go and of course if you go to filmstrippodcast.com that'll take you to our anchor by spotify page where you can find all the places you can find the show apple spotify google you name it we're there leave us a positive review share the show with your friends drop us a line too let us know what you think of the movie and the review we appreciate the support so for Lindsay, i'm jay thank you for listening to filmstrip